Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of The Getty, a podcast I started with me and my friends. Yes, another episode <laughs> under our belts. My name is Lou, I'm your host, and I'm reporting to you from the hot-ass mess that is 2020. I feel like every day that goes past, I am just shook. I'm just like, when are we going to wake up from this horrible nightmare and just as we're done with COVID-19 guess how two favorite friends come crawling in racism and police brutality honestly shout out to the people that think this is a 2020 issue and shout out to all the weary ones that know that we've been had this problem so you already know the type of flow this episode is gonna go guys how are you doing yourselves because I think I've realized that not everyone is going to be at the pod every single episode so maybe we should like distinguish who's be taking part in this episode. Alrighty there. <laughs> Mbali in the house you know. <laughs> What's up? Hey. <laughs> Okay, so you're not okay. Coco is here with us. Brianna's here with us. Erica's here with us. What's I said good? hi. <laughs> what are you fighting me for? I said hi. Okay, but it then I see you have to say your name. That I go in the say hey ho. Hey. Brianna. Brianna. <laughs> Brianna. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm finished. Coco, you have to say your name now. <laughs> Coco, Coco still not saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing this with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm finished. <laughs> As always, I'm wearing my jumper because. I think everyone knows that it's a little bit chilly. I know. It's always yeah, chilly go. at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> it's so cold. Coco, oh, do you know what that means? No. What? <laughs> With I know no. what it means. I'm here for it. What does it mean? <laughs> It's time for icebreakers. Yes, icebreakers. <laughs> the way we start every podcast with a couple of icebreakers. And this week's icebreaker is a PSA. So public safety announcement, just something you want to let the people know. What's on your mind just as a, yeah, a PSA. So, do you want me to start as an example? Yeah, you go or? first. Okay. Go ahead. So, my PSA 
is kind of rooted in this whole like Black Lives Matter movement. I've noticed that there's a quick distinction between Black Lives Matter and Black Trans Lives Matter. And I feel as though so often when we talk about Black Lives Matter, we forget about LGBT rights and the struggle that's actually happening within that community. And within that community, Black people that are like, that identify with those sexualities are being persecuted, they're being discriminated against, they're losing their lives. And I feel as though it's an important conversation to acknowledge. I don't think you can say Black Lives Matter and start making a distinction between which Black Lives Matter. So if we are for the Black Lives Matter movement, guess what? You're for all Black lives. That's my PSA. Yeah, dig. Amen. <laughs> Agreed. I actually can't believe that's a debate. Yeah. I assume, yeah, Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter, like, there's no distinction between whether you're male, female, trans, bi, bi what's the other one? Lesbian. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so I, many. I, I was looking it up. So you've got LGBTQ, and they're like a good other seven letters. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah. Plus. We got to acknowledge it and we also have to learn because what happens if I'm in the other letter? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know name one plus letter? Because I'd be interested. What is Q even? Oh, queer. Queer. What's Q? Queer, yeah. Oh, I'm right. It's like pansexual, hey. asexual. Pansexual, asexual, yeah. What's pansexual? Yo, I, I, I don't know. You fall in love with the person? Not depending not, on... Not, isn't that normal love? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because a part of falling in love with that person is also... Attached to a certain gender, I think. So for pansexual, it's different in that it's not attached to a gender. Um, a gender. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. The person itself. Uh, yeah. Which I honestly feel that's how it's supposed to be. Like I don't think. Do yeah. you have control who you fall in love with? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do, Luendo. <laughs> what do you mean? You go around just falling in love with every stranger. So you obviously yeah. have some level of control. okay i accept that because (laughs) what are you saying (laughs) okay Um. i accept i accept well that was my psa um what's your psa my psa is um when you're out in a protest or just like at this point out and about COVID-19 is not over so please continue wearing your masks I don't know when it stopped like I don't know when the (laughs) meeting came out the letter came out that said that no more masks but I missed it because I'm still wearing my mask and I'm going to continue wearing my mask because it's not over and that's my PSA. So if you're outside of your house, just wear your mask. That that's the bare minimum, honestly. The bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bare minimum. Okay. What's your PSA? Uh, I seen a tweet. So my PSA is what somebody tweeted, but I 100% agree. 
<laughs> so it says racism isn't a touchy topic if you're not a fucking racist. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. That's it. <laughs> like, how are people debating whether lives matter or not? Like, black, like, certain and things just shouldn't be a debate. And that's the bare minimum. Yeah. (laughs) It's so part of our Americanism. It's like, they just can't Uh, comprehend it. Wild. Um, My PSA is that um, South African men are still trash. And they will put (laughs) everything Even all the I say this. I say this. Just Damn. because of everything that's going on in terms of gender-based violence, and it is 100%. not going to stop anytime soon, which is a very mm-hmm. scary thing to think about. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's wild, and it makes me very sad for for um for women in South Africa and having to live life their lives in in fear of you know, will I be next? Am I next? Because it is, it's a big, it's it's yeah, it's happening. It is happening and our police, our police officers and our government are letting us down. Can you go like more into that? Like what is like, are men just like openly killing and violating women? Like what is, like what's happening? I mean, a lot of, uh, for, for a a long time now, just the statistics in terms of, um, gender-based um, violence and people, mm. you know, people, well, women and children being killed by like, you know, a boyfriend or a, a husband who's abusive. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what's happening. And also because our, like our justice system and our police officers um, and our government also seems to, you know, they'll speak out about it, but nothing is really changing. Um, I think there was a time when they had like, I, th- I think it's still happening right now. They call themselves some type of committee i don't even know what it's called but i don't know what they're doing because they they were trying to target and assist in um i guess improving the gender-based violence statistics in south africa and making it better for women but mm-hmm. it's still happening a woman was found hung um uh, on a tree she was eight months pregnant killed God. by i think her boyfriend or something crazy like that and it just mm. like it's just every day there's a name every day there's a name or there's mm. more than like one it's just to me it, mm. it blows my mind and they can get away with it because well our system our system sucks our system yeah. sucks it's, complex. So, of course, it's very complacent like, very complacent if for years this has been happening and and as men you see that oh it's fine like i'll kill this woman and you know, wow. I don't know what will happen to me. I don't even know if I'll go to jail or whatever. But hey, like I can let it all out on on my girlfriend or on my ex because that's how frustrated I am about life. I can just kill her. So, you know, it's fine. It's, 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 fine, it's understandable. Yeah. yeah. No punishment. You know, I'm wow. actually speaking to one of these ladies um, and she was in like an abusive marriage. And she was saying that her husband changed um, after he, be- he became like a cop. And I thought, what the, the irony? Like, mm. because they say that, like, cops are so spoiled and they have this um, need to display authority mm. that they end oh, hold on, that they end up actually doing that in a very, um, in a very, um, how to, in an abusive manner. So as soon as this guy became a cop, every weekend he would beat up his wife. And that mm. was normal because he knew it'd be protected as well. So yeah. it's, oh it's like, God. who do you trust at the same time? 
Do you get what I'm saying? Like, if it's not your partner, then the male, the man at the police station is not even going to. They might even ask you, "What did you do?" Right. If you're not actually mm-hmm. dead. You get what I'm saying? And it should never be a question of did I deserve this or not, basically. That's what you're asking yeah. me. Yeah. So I just thought the irony of that is quite scary. And Jeez. I feel as though like it extends beyond like of course there are extremes in the violence, but it's also the more low-key, the like slick comments that get that you have to ignore as a woman, just so that okay, let's uh. just get through this day. And I don't think mm-hmm men realize just what it's like to be a female being catcalled in the street that's not something you should get used to but that's not even yeah. something that would even affect mm-hmm. me it's just like something that just it's noise the another day it's yeah. just yeah another day at the Some office yeah comment mm-hmm. that comes your way and you just know there's no recourse because you go and you when you say it out loud mm-hmm. it sounds frivolous it sounds so superficial. yeah so it's like constantly taking these L's until something really bad happens and like people don't understand. It's a lead up to that. And I like men need to acknowledge their role in that. You may not be involved in killing and whatnot, but it's the little things, the little mental attitudes you have, like, oh, my girlfriend can't go out late with her friend if I'm not there, but you're allowed to go and do whatever you want oh, my girlfriend can't wear this or can't do this, like those sort of uh, restrictions. And that starts yeah. at a young age. Like I saw guys acting yep. like in high school. <laughs> mm. Really horrible. That's a real thing. And the crazy part is that once again, your boyfriend even expects you to police yourself. I wish my man would tell me, babes, you can wear whatever you want because I'll actually protect you. And, 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 and. But then it's just this thing of like, it's always our responsibility to mm-hmm. present ourselves in a certain way so that we're not objectified. But the thing is that, why is my boyfriend telling me this? He should be telling his mates and his mates' mates and, right. and his cousins. Yeah, that yeah. Don't, you know, like it's not a, a woman's responsibility to make sure you act right or the next yeah. person yeah. acts right. Like, I don't get that. And like, especially I know for a fact, like you may not have been the one doing these crazy things, but the fact that you know people or you've been in the company of people, men, your friends acting out of line and your silence is you condoning those actions. And like, uh-huh. especially nope. when they say, when, when the boyfriend says to you, I know because I, I, I think about the same thing or I do the same thing. So I know they're going to do that. So my thing is like, dog, that's the problem. That's not the problem. problem. There you go. There you go. That's the problem. Yeah. Over it. Um, Bali, do you have a PSA? (laughs) So in light of (laughs) in light of all that we've been talking about, my PSA will be the fact that I feel like human dignity, the fight for human dignity should not be a debate. Like in general. Like Dignity of anyone in 2020, especially, there's no reason for us to be repeating history. There's enough technology for us to even inform ourselves of things that we are ignorant about. You just Mm. need a willingness. It should not be a debate anymore. It should just be how. It should be more of how we're going to get there. That's true. That's 100%. And it just seems so stupid to argue these stupid things like equality between the races. Like, to me, that is so fundamental, especially because all of you have been raised by women. Like, most men have been raised by women. (laughs) 
How do you not yeah. see your mom and your dad as equals? Yeah. Mm. But that's how um, society's been socialized. Like ma- uh, masculinity or males in general are put on such a pedestal. And they're yeah. also allowed to get away with way more. I mean, think yeah. about like your brother at home or your cousin mm-hmm. who's a boy or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know for free, my mm-hmm. brothers get away with a lot. Murder. So like, if, Too much. Yeah. So if I wasn't woke, I would allow the same thing for my future son. But yeah. guess what? Good luck to him. <laughs> <laughs> have an obvious theme it's just because that's where my mind was at it's so hard for me to talk about other things when so many big conversations are happening right now like I can't talk about what has happened yeah so I have a couple of tweets that I thought were interesting so I'm gonna read them out and see what you guys think so the first one Oh, the first one is, so Madonna released a video of her son, David Banda, dancing to Michael Jackson's um, Don't Care About Us. And this was the caption for, this was the caption for the video. Brutal murder travels around the world. My son, David, dances to honor and pay tribute to George and his family and all acts of racism and discrimination that happen on a daily basis in America. And if you've seen the music, like the video, it takes place in her little, first of all, Madonna shouldn't have a kitchen like that, but whatever. It takes place in her little kitchen David, who is 14 years old, looks grown. <laughs> so grown. I didn't realize so he was 14 grown. years old. Yeah. I didn't I know he was 14. When I read the comments and I was like, what? This tall man is 14. He is a child. I did not know he was 14. 14 years old. <laughs> oh my God. Dancing to end racism. And these are the tweets that I found <laughs> that were really funny. So the first one was... This is worse than the Pepsi can. And that's a reference to the Kendall Jenner um, Pepsi commercial. And then the next one is, nobody asked Madonna to weigh in today. Not a soul. Unforced errors among public figures have been rampant this month. Mm. And I think the most scary thing about this video is that it almost looks joyful, right? Like, it looks like he's rejoiced. It looks like a happy dance. It doesn't seem like, at least if it was emotional and sad or something, but it just oh. doesn't translate to the seriousness of what's happening. I don't even know if it, if it, if it was emotional and sad, it would have saved it. Nothing. I don't think anyone, that, that didn't need to happen. Because then I've also seen, I also remember seeing a video of some girl from Glee doing something really no. stupid. <laughs> like performing like her sadness and I was just like this is <laughs> a trend guys just sign a check read a book 
post and repost sign your little petitions mm-hmm. and that like it's okay no one is asking i wonder what madonna really thinks about this like can we can you give yeah. us a comment we did not care and it's yeah. sad because this is like her black child that she's yeah. adopted and because he, he can actually dance but the fact that we're getting yeah he was actually pretty like, good he's kind of like this i'm like why would you do that why would you do that to your child how could you be so tone deaf as to not see if like everything that's wrong yeah. with that I, so i just <laughs> i think dave Chappelle said it perfectly it was like as a celebrity i don't really need to say anything right now because the streets are talking very loud i have no input in this i like it's the the people who are the leaders the protesters the people who are organizing everything those are the people mm. who need to be having the the shine and the spotlight. It, I don't need to be putting out any sort of message or any sort of comment or any, like, I'm not, I'm not needed in this. And it's like, Madonna, you're not needed in this. The question is, why do you keep adopting black babies? First of all, like, <laughs> like, that's my question. Cause my, my boyfriend brought it up and I was like, that's right. And I had to look it up and this girl has like five black babies. <laughs> <laughs> like what that's my question that let's answer that question before you put out some sort of like tweet or instagram post like you're not needed in this fight but as a mom of black children do you feel as though like it, i feel as though it's a damned if you do damned if you don't because i feel as though if she kept quiet about the situation it would be like how could you be quiet when you have five kids yeah. that look like george floyd and obviously, this uh, is her way of showing support, and it's an innocent mistake. I think it didn't innocent. Happen. Yeah, <laughs> well, in the sense that I don't know the intentions were to demean the whole situation that was happening. I feel as though when I she posted that. that video, she honestly wanted to show support and show that she's having these conversations with her kids and like allowing them to express how they, f- I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't know, but I don't feel like video from an evening. And that's, Luenda, that's the problem that you don't know. <laughs> like, it just like, for me, it just kind of needs to be a bit more clearer if you're going to be on that magnitude and, and uh, make a commentary about something this yeah. serious. So the thing is that it's, for me personally, her intentions weren't, um, there wasn't enough depth behind it. I don't think her intention was mm. to be like offensive or anything, but I feel like yeah. she, it wasn't, it, she doesn't get the, the, the depth of it to right. its actual like extremity. Do you get what I'm saying? Because right. even an artist can be silenced in this moment. And like, I just feel like even as a mother of like black children, like you've said, I think her, the sensitivity behind it, she didn't go deep enough for me personally. No, 100%. Mm-hmm. She could have just understood her reach is good enough. Even if she has an educational video about it that is prompted by some PR person, I don't know how celebrity works, but mm-hmm. bring in more intention and depth. <laughs> like, yeah. it just can't be that. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Selfish, kind of, too. Because it's mm. like her son and it's him dancing and now we're seeing how great of a dancer is. It's like, that's not the point of this. The point is yeah. much deeper than how good of a dancer your son is. <laughs> and already you have mm. perceptions of this poor boy at 14 years old. Like, it's going to be hard to shake off the fact that you were dancing 
to end racism. Like people are trying hard. Like how yeah. do you back from that? Mm. He even screamed like oh. Michael Jackson. Like you know the ah! oh, no. like he did oh, that. No. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to move on to the next tweet, which is, okay, so this, I don't feel like I need to read out both tweets, but essentially this comes down to the looting that happened in California around, around the U.S. of designer stores to protest police brutality and whatnot. So there were two responses, and this is why I thought this was interesting. You had Mark Jacobs, obviously a white designer, and you had Virgil, which is, he's literally the most high profile black men, male designer that is out there. He's the artistic direction for, uh, uh, artistic director for Louis Vuitton. Um, men's line he started off white which is one of the the biggest like one of the biggest streetwear brands out there right now and when the mark jacob store got looted mark jacob was like property is replaceable human life isn't meanwhile virgil essentially went on this rant and he he basically tried to minimize the protesters and what they were doing. And this is a little bit of what he said. Passion, blood, sweat, and tears that Sean puts in for our culture. And Sean is some sneakerhead in Los Angeles that Mm -hmm. designs sneakers and he has his own like vintage store around LA Mm -hmm. so to the kids that ransacked his store and RSVP DTLA and all our stores in our scene just know that product staring you at home in your apartment right now is tainted and a reminder of a person that you that we hope you aren't we're a part of a culture together is this what you want when you walk past him in the future Please have your dignity and not look him in the high in the eye. Hang your head in shame. And that was his response. And like with this whole situation, what annoys me the most is the same protesters that are looting and burning things down are the same protesters, are the same groups of people that would probably run to Virgil's defense if ever there were accusations of him being treated unfairly, if there were some sort of discrimination, Mm -hmm. like I feel as though those are the same people, the ones burning things down, the ones raising their voice, tweeting about it would be the same people that got, would have him trending for whatever happened to him. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it sucks. Like, why is it when you get to a certain level, you ignore the fact that you are a black man, like it doesn't matter if you're sitting in Paris with all these fancy people, at the end of the day, you're a black man from Chicago. And like those problems follow you throughout because I don't believe you can be happy when you can see people like you getting discriminated against, losing their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's self-hatred. Like, sorry, it's something that Julius Malema said, <laughs> one of our radical African leaders, <laughs> he says, how do you look at another 
black face and uh, be okay with them bashing it into the, into the ground and not feel some type of way. That is an act of self-hatred as an African. So for me personally, um, Virgil reminds me of OJ Simpson. So good luck, Virgil. <laughs> Everyone is human. <laughs> and sometimes you just need to practice some depth no matter how far you get in life like and it's too easy for Virgil to just talk about something that actually no one cares about at this point to be honest a bunch of sneakers in LA like we don't care about your streetwear <laughs> and especially because streetwear has such a deep root in black culture like you came up off black culture like that's what you brought to this more like Uh, high-end stage so it's how can you distance yourself from black culture when you literally capitalized off of it mm -hmm. off of it yeah Uh, doesn't make sense to me eh? Mm. I yeah I I can't I can't like I <laughs> sorry I that's all I have to say but I when I was working at Lord and Taylor we it was a sister Ooh. company the Stacks off um six Stacks Fifth Avenue so we would be able to like have like we would be able to be part of like the sample sales and I remember my first sample sale I specifically went to the off-white product just for the fact because I wanted to support, support the black yeah. And it's just like, just like you said, Lou, it's like the same people who are protesting and looting, we are the ones defending him. And now I'm like, I don't even want this bag anymore. I was so proud to be the only uh, one in my office to get an off-white thing. Everyone else was going to like the Chloe and like the other designers, the other white designers. I was the only one who came back with an off-white bag and I was very mm-hmm. proud of it. And yeah. now to like hear him and like see him, it's just like, I, why am I supporting you if you can't even support us? Like, well, I don't get yeah. it. I don't get that dynamic. <laughs> Coco, did you read this article? Did you see, like, have you heard about this? What, Virgil and everything? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take it a little twist. Like, I know we're, you know, like, super, like, Virgil, da, da, da. But I want to take it, too. Have you guys seen how he donated, like, $50 or something? Um, and everybody, what would you say? Ridiculous. Oh, yeah. What did so he now, do, eh? What did he donate it to? Was it to, to was like it a, a bail fund? And it was $50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your socks cost double this, and you're donating fifty dollars. And the thing was, is that he screenshotted it, like he was proud of this fifty dollars he donated. <laughs> God how Virgil! Like guys, this man needs prayer. I don't understand. <laughs> and then he comes out with an apology, saying that. And this is what I hate: like celebrities will do something messed up, and then the cover-up is crazy. He goes. I posted the $50 to show that I was matching my friend's donation. Uh-huh. Which one of Virgil's friends would only donate $50? <laughs> you see people with millions of dollars. What are you talking about? That wasn't your friend. That was you trying to own it. Yeah, just own it. That's the difference between I, Kanye and Virgil, I think, is that Kanye at least kind of owns his rampage. Yeah. <laughs> 
But the homeboy like, he... like just owned a dude. No, but Kanye's oh, no. been donating like he donated two million to each of like because he has his tail between his legs now. So anytime oh, that he supports the black community, it's some oh, sort Brianna's of. Oh, Brianna's not hearing it. I'm no, not here for Kanye West, yeah, and I'm not here for it. Because he, he knows he's dead wrong in this situation. He, he has nothing to say at like right now. He has nothing oh. to say except to support and give all of his money back to the people. That's all I need from him to shut the fuck up and give me your money. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad he hasn't said anything. I'm, I'm really glad well. he hasn't said anything. All he's done is cut the check. Just like, cut the check. That's, that's all we need check. from that's you. Cut need. the check. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes things are, are beyond people and they need to recognize that and like that's okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can, I, I can, I can fuck with that. You yeah. Know? You can mm-hmm. accept it. Yeah. I'm going to go on to. I think our third, uh, our third tweet, and this one is again referencing <laughs> police brutality. So the tweet goes: Doctors lose their licenses, end up in jail, and can never work again because of one malpractice suit. The same standard needs to exist for cops. And this is, and I don't think this is a problem that's unique to America. This is a problem everywhere around the world and i think what i noticed is that who actually becomes cops because i can't like what is like when you think of what are the qualifications you need to become a cop and then when you think about the role that they play in society and the fact that you're giving those people Uh, guns handcuffs this authority Uh. to act crazy but they haven't even earned I don't feel like they fully formed the correct view of the world because, okay, this is what I mean. For example, in America, you could have a cop that grows up in a predominantly white county. He went to a white college. All he had is experience with white people. All he does is complete high school, does a six-month program. It takes six months to become a cop. And all of a sudden, this person is now responsible for policing not only white people, but black people, Hispanic mm-hmm. people, all the people on the racial spectrum. Like, you can't expect that person to not be biased in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. I love what you actually said, Lou, because I've never really thought about it. But um, in light of everything that's happening, I don't think they are fully developed or take it as, as seriously um, as it should be. Because mm-hmm. even in South yeah. Africa, you just need a matric certificate. And it's almost like people's way out of whatever, but there's not mm. a true due diligence that is done behind someone who's, who's genuinely trying to protect order or protect the d- dignity of humanity in general. There's not yeah. that pure understanding. Yeah. I think hence why we have so much corruption as well. And this is not just about like South Africa. I think it's everywhere else because we don't understand the true extremity of what you're doing. You're actually mm. protecting us. Right. So, I actually love what you said. Yeah, that's a, a huge, that's something that should actually be revoked or like looked at again. Yeah. It makes yeah. no sense. Even when you think about like the type of people in your classroom. So let's say you look at the leaders in your classroom. You look at the people that you're like, oh my God, they're going to go far. They don't end up in the police department. Even though that's where I feel like those people that have like this strong moral conviction that have this 
high sense of character leadership. Those are the people that should be in those roles. But the way society looks at policemen, the way that they get paid, the way that the job is viewed, even a traffic cop. Yeah, it sounds so minimal, but think of criminals go on the road. That's the main mode of transportation. So it has to be some level of dignity with the way people treat these jobs. The same way you treat a doctor, the same way you treat teachers is the same standard you should hold cops to because these people have guns, have, <laughs> have freaking grenades and whatnot. I don't know about the grenades. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think that like, I don't really know how long it should be to become a cop, but what I'm more concerned about is we should be just as what the protest is defunding the entire entity. Like we should be allocating those funds to actual people who are experts in those fields, like the mental health people and therapists and like the teachers and the educators, like we should be sending it to them. I don't like, if a cop needs to be in school for six months, fine, but then don't give them the responsibility to also be the therapist, to right. be the social worker, because they all, they have these tasks that they're not experts in, and then on top of that, they have very harmful guns and weapons in the back of their hand that they can easily access and just trigger, get trigger happy and just, like, you know, use it. So, I, yeah, I... I, I've seen those tweets where it's like, uh, you can become a beautician in like 1200 hours and then it takes a cop 600 hours. And it's like, that's crazy. Like right. why, how is, that's crazy. And also when it comes to, when we talk about defund the police, like the most frustrating thing about this whole movement is, I don't think people realize the importance of marketing, especially when you're talking about politics and public policy. So when you say just this short phrase, defund the police, we're talking about divesting from the police department and allocating certain funds to different areas. But when you just look at the words defund the police, the people who are on the extreme right will run with that and say, oh, these liberals want the police abolished, like no more police. Oh. That's not what's being asked for. But I feel like oftentimes, even when we look at Bernie Sanders calling his form of like politics socialism, yes, he has socialist elements a part of it, but to use the word socialism and you know the historical context that that word has, especially around the world when you look at the Cold War, like you can't phrase it like that because you're not going to mm -hmm. get anywhere because you're giving the people on the opposite side of your argument a, a way in to completely evaluate, like devaluate what you're trying to say. I agree with that. And then I like a thousand, like a thousand percent don't agree with that because I saw a tweet where it's like, but they understood the meaning of defunding education. So it's like also like mm. people like the power of marketing, but then also people have their own, like people want to see what they want to see. They have something in their head and they will make it, like they will make whatever they see, def like um, cooperate with whatever they have in their head. So it's like, it makes sense for them to define education, but it just doesn't make sense for them, for us to define the police, de um, the entity of like NYPD and the police department. So it's just like, also, people just 
are dumb. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. So I had tweet number four. I don't think I'm going to talk about it because I feel as though we covered it in the beginning of the pod. Mm. So I'm going to skip over that and go into the first one of the hot topics. And so this video was posted by um, a liberal senator. I don't know where she is in the government, but she's an elected official and she's liberal her name is Candace Owens, and my mom stays sending me her videos. Like, stays sending me her videos. Some of her videos she makes sense in, but other videos, like the one that I showed that's in this agenda, just did not make sense to me. We are being sold a lot of lies, and at the detriment to the Black community, at the detriment to the white community, and at the detriment to America as a whole. So. I um, want to come out and say uh, that I do not support George Floyd and the media depiction of him as a martyr for Black America. I'm going to explain why, and I hope that some of you guys will understand where I'm coming from. Um, I have spent a considerable amount of time reading a lot um, of Black authors that I think are some of the most brilliant Black Americans breathing. Um, Walter Williams, Shelby Steele, Thomas Sowell, and I recently came across something that was an idea that was planted into my head by Shelby Steele, and it has been something that I cannot um, forget. It is something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And it is something that I hope for the black Americans that are watching will stick with you for the rest of your life. Shelby Steele said that the black community is unique from other communities. Um, our, our culture is unique from other communities um, because we are the only community that caters to the bottom denominator of our society. Now, let me explain what that means. Um, it means to say that not every black American is a criminal, not every black American is committing crimes, but we are unique in that we are the only people that fight and scream and demand support and justice for the people in our community that are up to no good. You would be hard pressed to find um, you know, a Jewish person who has spent five stints in prison, uh, who commits a crime and dies while committing a crime, and that the Jewish people champion and demand justice for. You will be hard pressed to find this in white America. You'll be hard pressed to find this even in Latino America. Uh, if there is a person that is spent multiple times in prison, you are not going to see a bunch of Latinos coming out um, demanding justice for this person, even if, and I want to be very clear, what I'm saying is not any defense for Derek Chauvin. I hope Derek Chauvin gets the justice that, um, that he deserves to be um, you know, implemented upon him and that the family um, of George Floyd deserves justice for the way that he, that he died. Um, but I also am not going to accept the narrative that this is the best the black community has to offer. For whatever reason, it has become fashionable over the last uh, five or six years for us to turn criminals into heroes overnight. So is, 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 sorry, can I, I just need clarity, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the tweet basically insinuating that George Floyd doesn't deserve to have basically doesn't deserve to have like the, uh, certain dignities around how he died and all of that because he's deemed to be some uh, a criminal or something. Right. He like doesn't he deserve the support that he's getting right now, the protests, the rallies and whatnot, because he's not a perfect... He doesn't citizen. get it. 
Like people are like painting his okay. picture. They're like framing his face. They're using his face as like the in like the entire front page of this entire movement. And she just is like, he's a criminal. He was a drug addict. He was all of these things. And why are we making him the front page person of this when oh. he should have been? He should have died. He should he should have been killed. Wow. So and she definitely doesn't get any of this. She doesn't get it. She mm -hmm. actually doesn't get it. That it's not about one man even. Um, wow. And she's a black female. And the thing that like kills me the most is, okay, fine. You take all of these things. It doesn't matter if he's the most despicable person in the world. The cops, when they arrested him, when they went in to interrogate him, they didn't know all of that. He could have been anybody anyone and that's yeah. what we're fighting for the fact that anybody can be treated so brutally and without conscious i like the fact that he was he was such a, a, a he did small misdemeanors <laughs> i like the fact that he was an average joe simply because i feel like we're trying to prove a point yeah because had it been someone who is just like um what do you call it um either famous or some sort of like level in life or um, someone who who hasn't done anything wrong in society then it's, it's almost easier to give them that dignity but the fact that someone has done something wrong like yes apparently he he counterfeited a 20 dollar bill or something like that right Allegedly. or something like that a drug addict that doesn't constitute having been treated like that at all it doesn't constitute that level of brutality against a human life. And I think that people, I don't understand how people keep insisting on simply dancing off that subject. That like mm -hmm. the point of this, as simple as the statement is, black lives matter. That's simply what we're saying. We're not saying that he's wrong. We're not saying that he's right. We're not even saying much about George. It's actually other people that are bringing it up. What we're making reference to is the fact that yeah, what we're making reference to is the fact that this guy's life matters. We mm. don't even know much about him. That guy, like you said, Luke, didn't know much about him, but he found it okay to kill him in front of cameras. The fact that that was happening in front of cameras, you can imagine how protected the police are that side. Mm. Anyone would shy away from a camera if they thought they were doing something wrong. There's a huge issue. There's so many issues around that whole situation. It has nothing to do with someone being on drugs or them having done a few like no mm. i actually can't believe someone articulated themselves and like wrote it down and sent that yeah and she's also public, getting yeah, it's, she's also getting paid by the other side just an fyi though really surprised supposedly even though it's like a lot of people say it but like she gets paid by like white racists to like kind of be out there to be the black face of like that right. side it's just, it's just such a bunch of dehumanizing comments that I don't even, yeah. Because we're not fighting about who, who he was, as Mbali said. That, that shouldn't matter. That shouldn't be the case. That shouldn't, that shouldn't be a part of this conversation, quite mm. frankly. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got the fact to do with that he was killed. We all saw it, and, and, and people are still choosing to debate and, and, and question about things that are, are, so, are so black and white that it's... it's yeah, it's quite sickening. 
that she could mm. say that with her chest. It's really, really mm. just, it's very disturbing. And also yeah. the timing, like, you could at least, at least let this die down. You could at least let him be buried, at least let the memorials happen. But what, what makes you think that your opinion is so important that you have to play devil's advocate in a time when people are grieving? Like, people feel hurt. People feel victimized. Like, what makes you think that this is the right time to play the devil's advocate, especially as a black female coming out of your mouth? It has a different weight to it. You're distracting people from what the real issue is. The police are out of control. Well, I just want to say like two things. So I had never heard of her until you had sent this video to me. So I did like a little bit of like looking of her, looking on her and she also like years ago had some sort of racist like um she like pressed charges against some white kids because supposedly they were acting racist towards her so it's like she's been on the she was on the other side she has felt the other side of the wrath and then she just kind of has flipped so she complete like she completely understands what she's doing why she's doing it and like the timing of what she's doing it And then the second thing I had like a problem with was when she was like talking about George and like why he was in and out of jail. He was in and out of jail because he was a drug addict. And again, like if we we all watched um, the documentary 13th and it goes into depth of the prison system. And it's like, again, she was like missing the point of like the why, like why was he continuously getting picked up for drug offenses instead of going to a rehab or instead of getting mental health issues? Why was he not getting those sort of treatments instead of just being picked up and being put in the into the prison system for like years for very small things? Like he was only picked up for like a small little bag and supposedly he got like whatever she said, he got like 10 years. It's like, why did he get 10 years for a very small bag? Why didn't he get the proper like help that he needed? And like, that was what was lacking for me. Like there was some parts where I was like, okay, I can kind of, understand what you're saying but then I'm like no but you're still like you're going on the surface where it's just like these are what I'm saying this is what I'm saying but it's like why is that why has this black man gone through this journey of in and out of the prison system why have people not given him the benefit of the doubt of having of having the chance of having a better life and that's why he ended up dead and then also just the fact that this man was on his throat for eight minutes and 46 seconds, that's mind boggling. That's eight minutes and 46 seconds. And I was watching this video with Oprah and some other like black um, people, black actors and activists and like writers or whatever. And someone brought up the fact that he had his sunglasses on top of his head and it didn't move once because he was just like chilling there. He was just chilling on, he was very steady. He was on George's throat. He had he didn't sh- like shuffle any bit. His sunglasses just sat on the top of his head, as if like nothing. And I was like, that is mm-hmm. such a small but such big detail that I did not even catch. And now that I see the video, I'm just like looking right at it, and I'm like, wow, he just just was sitting there for eight minutes mm-hmm. and forty six seconds, no flinch. Okay. Do you know what makes me sad about what you're saying? Um, What you guys are saying is the fact that the only thing that could have fixed this is if he was a different color. 
he was white. We wouldn't be debating this. That's how, that's how crazy this whole thing is. The fact that you guys are going into the intricacies of why didn't he get the help that he needed? Why um, this guy was sitting on his throat for mm-hmm. 88 eight, eight minutes. And the only thing that would have changed all of this debate, it wouldn't be a debate, is if he was white. Different that's color. literally it. Because had he still been a white drug addict who had misdemeanors and all mm-hmm. of that thing, it wouldn't have, I'm shocked. Like, that's actually how simple it is. Even the shopped a person at the convenience store that reported the fake um, $20 bill, he says he regrets calling the police because he could have just gone up to him, asked him where he got yep. the 20 and be done with it and yep. tell the police, hey, I got yep. this 20 from a customer. This is where they got it from. What should I do from that point on? Like the idea that you can oh. regret calling, doing what you're supposed to do in that situation. Because when you do get a fake bill, you have to report it. It doesn't matter yeah. where it came from. Like, that's just part of the law. So it's yeah. just crazy to me that you could be in a real pinch and calling, you would hesitate calling the police, the people that are there mm-hmm. to help you. Mm. Yeah. I have um, one more thing to say, but will you, you have talked about this in depth with like how, it's kind of like how Bill Cosby was kind of like the sacrifice in the media for the raping and like the child molesting and all the things that he did but then I like you watch the documentary about Jeffrey Epstein Epstein. and it's like this man just walked on through with his life like he just continued on with his life nothing was touched and Mm -hmm. all I could think watching the documentary was like if he was a black man and would never fly he would have been caught like doesn't matter how much money 15 years ago yeah this man is like continuous, like watching the documentary, I was like, he's just doing bad thing after bad thing after bad thing because mm-hmm. no one is touching him. No one is questioning him. No one is talking to him. No one or even cares to talk to him because it's like, whatever, he's this rich man. And all I'm thinking is like, if that man was black, oh, he mm. would have been, some, some cop, some person would have been ratted on him or um, spoke up about him. And like, he would have been shut down immediately Mm. and then it just like reminds me of the bill cosby it's like yeah bill cosby was an asshole and like a jerk and a rapist and a sexual predator but he was crucified Crucified. in the media crucified in the media like he lost everything and just the fact that there are white men out here doing the exact same thing not getting touched it's crazy even when you look at Mm -hmm. r kelly like r kelly has a whole documentary sees, like series about his indiscretions. I'm not defending him, but I'm just saying that the difference in the way it's treated, like R. Kelly's music oh. was removed from playlists on Spotify. Meanwhile, other celebrities that have the same accusations against them are still in those playlists, still haven't been spoken out against, and Spotify ignores certain artists when they look a certain way because you can't even say oh the moment you get money like r kelly is at the top with the best of them bill cosby Mm -hmm. had money it doesn't matter your it doesn't matter how much money you have when you have Mm -hmm. the skin color guess what the same problems Mm -hmm. that follow a guy with 20 dollars in his pocket on the road are the same problems that follow Mm -hmm. someone that has millions in their bank account living in beverly hills one thing in common their skin color that's it yeah just over it the next um the next one was 
so Kimberly Jones's video has been circulating around the internet. I saw it on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. It was also on John Oliver. And essentially she was explaining the the why behind the looting and the rioting that was happening. And one part really like got me thinking is when she turned to this is what she said. You're lucky we're not asking, we're, ask, we're only asking for equality and not revenge. And just when you put it that simply, like mm. what we're asking yeah. is to be treated the same under the eyes of the law when we're in front of cops. But if we really went back to it, and I don't feel like Black people are unjustified in having a sense of like, just being pissed off, having your identity stripped away from you, taken away from your homeland, against your will, just so many traumatic things that have happened to Black people. And it's not unique to just America. It's across Mm -hmm. the world. And you can't help but think, what would revenge look like? Because... (laughs) So sweet. (laughs) And like, another thing that I found confusing is with because south africa has the same problems and in reaction to apartheid we had the truth and like reconciliation commission and essentially that commission granted immunity if you came forth and you essentially told all the bad things that you did under the apartheid government which was a racist government at the time and you've got an example of where a country opted for a more peaceful la-di-da approach and you still have problems and you also have america where it was kind of just swooped under the rug like okay this happened now let's move on and try to ignore it and it's like like what do we what is the argument right now Yeah, the TR, the TRC, I mean, as great as the idea was, it was just very floral and I, didn't, I don't think do, it, it, it really got us anywhere considering where we are as a, as a country um, right now. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, next, what the next step is to this because it's a long fight. It's a long, it's a long, <laughs> it's a long war and I don't, I don't know when, when, anything will will get better for us quite frankly i i don't know what the like yeah i don't know what the next thing to do is like what what do we do next because all we are really asking for is 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 just equality to be you know to just be able to love our lives like it it should be it, it it's that simple but it, there's so much put up against us that it it makes it impossible which is just mind-blowing yeah i had this conversation with someone else and i was like the only like we we basically both agreed that black people will just just never get that justice that we deserve ever like we just won't and the only way that we do is if we just literally literally and figuratively burn everything down to the ground and restart it in our way like we rebuild it but that's just never gonna happen because there are just too many white people with too much power and money and they're just never gonna let that go. And like Kimberly Jones said, the only way we can do it at this point is now the white people need to share, but they're not going to share. They're just not going to because why would they? They're in 
they're in the power. Yeah. They have the power. So yeah, I, it's a sad thing. Um, even though it's very sad, I still am trying to do the most I can as an individual because mm. the, the, the thought of a better is bigger and weighs heavier than my fear and my sadness of it. So that's just my personal thing. But in my logical mind and like when I talk about it out loud with like friends and you guys, it's like, I don't think we ever would will be getting the justice that we deserve and the justice that we need. And I don't think we ever will be satisfied with anything because it just never will be unless we break it down. But that's just never gonna happen. Yeah. And even like I was just thinking, because I used to say this, like, oh, I don't want to watch another film about slavery or oh, I don't want to watch this because it's sad or if it makes me upset. And I just really reflected on that, just how insensitive that must, just the, how insensitive that really is. Like, there are people that looked like me. The only difference of me escaping that re- reality is I was born in a different time. And I went back and I've started doing this thing where I like go back and watch old classic Hollywood movies and you look at it and it's like, you notice what happened. Like you can't talk about Gone with the Wind without recognizing just the racist undertones that are reflected in those films. You can't talk about, oh, gentlemen prefer blondes and not realize that they're not talking about people that look like me it's because they don't see you (laughs) and it's like such a level of privilege for me to be like i'm not gonna watch that Mm -hmm. story i'm not gonna watch that documentary because it makes me feel some type of way like i feel as though you consciously have to because it's easy to forget the trauma that's happened and what is still happening to people and it can't be like that like it these films come out it's important for us to acknowledge the history of it because the only reason we escaped that is we were born at a different time yeah I struggle with that because I too said the same thing I was like I'm done watching these slave movies and in in a sense I am because I want to see black people today like the the movie the photograph with like Issa and um, Lakeith, like, those are the kind of Black movies I want to see. Like, that's what I want to see today. And I think my issue with the slave movies, it stems from, those are the only movies that Black people get awards for. And I'm, like, over that part. It's like, I'm over the white people giving us awards, because that's who it is. It's white people in that jury of Oscars. It's them giving Mm -hmm. us the awards for that kind of movie, because they like seeing us in that role. Like, that's that's how they see us, just as slaves and people beneath us, and that's all we can achieve. So, I, that's, that's where I conflict with it, where it's just, like, I'm tired of it. But then I too had to reflect because it was like, how dare I say something like that? How dare I say something? And me and Michael, my boyfriend, we last week, we basically watched like five different movies um, about slavery. We watched Selma. We watched just and bawling, crying, because literally it's the same story, just different time and different names. That's it. That's, but the, it's the exact same thing that we're fighting for, police brutality against Black people, specifically Black men. Yeah. It's just, yeah. So I'm going to move on to the last topic of the pod. And this has to do 
with racism in schools. So I've just been noticing a couple of Instagram posts about an old boarding school that I used to attend called St. Anne's. And so recently it's come into light that teachers were racist and students were allowed to say things that were discriminatory against black people. And even when I think about it, like I'm not old, but when I was in high school, there was no, like social media wasn't as big as it is today. There was no way for us to protest, especially at that age. You can identify that something is wrong, but not have a way to express it. And I feel as though, again, same things, just different years. And it's like, did you guys experience anything like that in high school where it was off-color remarks or just low-key problematic comments that were encouraged by teachers and faculty not saying anything or allowing that sort of conversation to happen? Oh, no one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, no. Yes. I concur. Yes. You know I was there with you. <laughs> and we've had this discussion. <laughs> Yo, guys, um, I was talking uh, to Luendo about, about this, and it's just really funny because we, we went to the same school for about a year. And in that year... Mm. Luendo turned my life around. I was in the <laughs> thick of detention with her on Saturday mornings at like <laughs> half past five or whatever crazy time that place used to make us wake up at. And it was just wild. But I will say that um, our school is definitely racist. The institution definitely <laughs> kind of pretty much encourages racism and discrimination. And um, I had it easier because at some, at some times, at some points, I definitely know that I assimilated and was the easier black. But if I was someone like Luendo on the other, on the other side, it would have been a mess. And at the time, I know that I definitely, like, which is what um, Lou was saying, um, I recognized that there were things that there were, that, that were wrong, but I, didn't know how to articulate them. And I think, especially at that age, when you're still trying to figure things out or understand yeah. the, the world, yeah. understand people, it can be very difficult to, to like, just be like, say something, you know, recognize something for what it is, for what it really is at the, at the core of it. It can be very difficult to like reflect and have that conversation and understanding. So like, I mean, now that it's 10 years down the line um, and this, this um, I mean, this, this social media and how people are talking about racism um, in, in high school in South Africa, it, it's, it's beyond just our school. And it's so, much, it's so much bigger because there are so many institutions that are, that are so high in terms of you know the, the the level of education and things like that but then when it comes to discrimination and just racism that it's so it's so so much a part of the fabric of the schools that it's just yeah it's 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 its own war it's its own war <laughs> i like so. just want to specifically just 
point out, I forgot what this lady's name was until Peaks reminded me. Mrs. Armstrong from St. <laughs> Anne's College yes, in Peter Maritzburg. <laughs> the worst human I have ever met in my life. And like I say, I wasn't the perfect messenger. Like I wasn't innocent. Like I was causing shit. But some of the things that happened to me were uncalled for. And most specifically, I think was that one of the hardest things to come over. Like I went to a school called St. Stithians and I did a year at St. Anne's. And my whole time at St. Stithians at St. Anne's, people were always telling me that I wasn't smart. They weren't saying like, oh, you're, you're dumb or anything like that. It would always be like, Lou, you should take easier classes. You should take math literacy, which was like an easier version of math. Like, oh, maybe you shouldn't be doing science and whatnot and I was constantly told these things at school moved on to a new school new page go to St. Anne's and it was still the same dialogue happening and most most notably from Mrs. Armstrong like she went as far to say that I had no aptitude <laughs> I, I had no business that. no I re I remember her because I promise mm. you when my parents <laughs> pulled me out of St. Anne's and were like you're going to take regular math. You're going to take science. I thought they were in denial. I was like, you don't see my abilities clearly. Like, I'm not good at math. Like, I need to be doing, like, more history and drama. Like, that's the way that I think. And the only reason I believe that is because that's what my teachers were telling me. And the only people uh -huh. that stood up for me were my parents. They literally forced me to the point where I'm like, you'll see what will happen. Like, you have no chance in this situation. And fast forward from St. Anne's, moved to Crawford, and it was a completely different learning environment where I was able to succeed. I was able to do core maths, ended up getting a distinction in math. Like, I did science all the way through to matric at the end of matric. I don't even, I'm not even scared of those subjects because I'm so confident in my abilities. But going to Crawford for the first time, like, I was so insecure. I didn't feel like wow. I was able to do all of these things. And it was all based on what some white lady told me, what some white ladies yeah. kept on reiterating to me. And it's like, what happens to the black kid that looks like me, that didn't have parents like me, that trusted mm -hmm. what their mm. teachers said? Like, I would hate to think that I would underestimate my abilities like that, just based off someone's bias that sees the way I look, sees the way I act, misunderstands it because they come from a different point of view. Like you grew up in probably like a white South African neighborhood. And then here I am, like me just being me. And like, it's easy to misunderstand certain things. So I feel as though, like, that's the only thing that I take to heart because I promise you the way I felt at the end of grade nine was like, my parents were in denial. <laughs> Dead ass is it denial. The irony, aren't you a finance major? Yep. Like, and, <laughs> honest, and honestly, like, not even say this, you're one of the smarter people I have, like, I talk to. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that's like, that's funny. what I went through because of some mm. bullshit ass system that didn't wow. give black students the right support. At that age, I can agree with you, like in terms of how you were when you came to Crawford, and like 
the, the progression from there afterwards because I was actually having this conversation with Avi and them because um, like we were having a conversation to uh, like understand like did you guys actually have any like racist encounters like during um, during uh, high school and because I sat back with myself and I was like I don't remember having any racial encounters and if ever it happened it was between students and we were very like very quick to correct that thing hey Mm-hmm. And even within the teachers, even if they tried to even utter a slightest slur, we would snitch straight away. Never so that happened. kind of thing was not like, it, it was not tolerated at Crawford at all. And then I had to ask like some other students as well who went to Crawford, some of my friends, and they said the same thing. And for me, I realized like with you and Ruru, when you guys came um, to Crawford, your, in terms of your like, your comprehension for some stuff was it, it, I was shocked because you guys came from good school. Saints is a good school. St. Anne's mm-hmm. is a good school. And I was shocked at the level of, um, of education and how you guys were progressing. But then after a while, you guys were in Crawford. You could see how smart you guys actually are. So like even hearing your story now to think that um, it was because of that, I feel like we would have missed out on like some really good talent. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I think that too often that actually happens to black children and then we kind of boxed as like incompetent or boxed as something that just completely disregards us but when it even comes to a white kid or white people in general there's a patience for yeah. there's an understanding that that society wants to get to around this kid there's an there's a certain patience around this kid and i just feel like um personally i'm very happy that like Crawford was like that, that I didn't experience that then. And I see the value in that. And I'm from the fact that like we're friends, like I'm shocked that that's what you're going through. Because in my mind, Saints was even a better school, the way they are so well, like marketed and everything. And St. Anne's as well. I mean, that's an all girls school. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so they so traumatized me. I was shocked at <laughs> yours and Ruth's English and your math skills. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, you went off and got a distinction in math. You went and you did medicine at bits. I mean, to get a, a, to get accepted at bits is a huge thing as well. So, like, I just think that's so sad. Can I tell you, I will beat up a, a, a teacher who talks to my child like that. 100%. We also spoke, we also spoke about some of the, the CARES boys. So, like, some of the CARES boys, obviously CARES is like, um, I think it's like Crawford, where it's like, um, what do you call it? It's like really good education, but it's government. Right. What, what do you think of that? Semi-government or something. Yeah. So, it's semi like. <laughs> Seriously. So, like, you have all walks of, like, kids coming there. And most of the kids come there with an intention of doing great and taking their families out of certain, like, um, spaces, right? So, they have to succumb to these um, narratives that the teachers give them. Even if there's racial slurs, some of these children do have the dignity to want to stand up for themselves. But they're already quietened because even when they go home, their parents understand it's a sacrifice for me to take you there. So, forget about the racial aspect, just do your work. But that teaches a kid to be complacent towards self-respect to a certain extent and to tolerate things they shouldn't have to tolerate. But the thing is that when you come, I don't want to say like a poverty mindset because it's not, it's not a poverty mindset, but it's a mindset of, um, I don't have at home. So I'm not going to risk my opportunity of being in a space like this because of how I'm being treated. So you almost like forgo 
that conversation mm. or forgo that thing. And I just think some institutions take advantage of that. Even in the corporate space, you have a lot mm. of people who have done exceedingly well from a varsity level or come into a corporate space, which is predominantly white. And they are treated a certain way and they're unable to stand up for themselves because they're too engrossed in the fact that I'm lucky I even have a job. I'm lucky right. I even whatever. But the thing is that those systems take advantage of that mentality. They even turn you against your own people. Hence why even when people are in leadership as a black person, I can so easily become a Virgil. I can excuse myself yeah. from your problems because now all of a sudden I've been socialized to feel like I'm better. Do you get what I'm saying? Like it's, it, it becomes a self-hatred thing because yeah. they treat you like the lucky black or the different black right. and all of these things. So I just think it's so systematic. And I think that it's something that we should like fight against because you'd be shocked. Some of these cases, yeah. your white colleagues will actually help you. Which yeah. is, it shows you that white people don't have self-hatred. And they might not like you. They might even just like some might not even have yes. a racial issue with you. But at the crux of it, they don't have self-hatred because they yes. can stand up for any form of dignity or integrity. Yeah. And that's what makes them different at times to Africans. I've noticed that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's so in your, your head. It, there's yes. a, there's an identity crisis within, within Africans in Africa. So you can imagine what's happening in, in, in America and all these other spaces, you know? Right. I commend african-americans you're not even on your soil but you can stand up for your dignity so right. like i and us as africans are struggling with that i, I don't understand oh. why but there's an identity crisis it's 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 so systematic that it's it, it's yeah it seems impenetrable but it's oh. it, it it interests me to a certain extent but um yeah that's my comment there <laughs> i i a thousand percent agree with that like my thought my head is going to my last job um obviously I like I grew I went to I worked with a bunch of white girls that's all my entire entire corporate office was and I can't tell you how insecure I felt at that office of like my own intelligence and my own worth and my own capabilities and I had to keep telling myself Brianna these girls grew up being told that they are capable of doing things when you were not capable you of were not and uh, there would be you and there are so many moments I can think on the top of my head where like these girls would just say the dumbest shit but they would say it so strongly and so unapologetically and I'm just sitting there like I would never ever <laughs> say anything to make myself feel like even less even more dumb you know, because I already feel less than right here. So I'm already oh. kind of quiet, a little more timid. And these girls are just walking around the office <sighs> like their shit don't stink. And it's just, it's crazy to me. And it, I swear, like, it was very hard for me to work in that office because it was hard to see them excel and find myself having to constantly get out of my own head because right. I just felt so much less than. So that mm. was a whole struggle in itself. And then also a second um, incident that I'm thinking, I remember when I was in like sixth grade, this was my first year in this private school that my parents had put me in and it was predominantly white Jewish people. And one of my best friends, her name was Jessica, I won't say the last name, her name was <laughs> Jessica. And 
my mom, we went, to, they ha the, the school held this like um, annual cancer run or walk. Um, so the entire school participated. So that was kind of the first time that my mom was meeting the parents of these girls that I was becoming friends with. So my mom and the girl's mom start having a conversation and I'm standing there and my mom starts telling the girl, the lady that, oh, Brianna's really good at math and blah, 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 blah. And the other mom was like, oh, but Jessica, you're really good at math too. Like kind of in this like comparison way. And I never understood why my mom was so upset by that moment. Cause she explained it to me like, Brianna, you don't even understand what she was trying to do there. Like she was trying to uh -huh. undermine you. She was trying to like put you down. She was trying to make it seem that you just as much, just as good as you are, Jessica is good as, as it. And even though you're better at math than her. And in my mind, how I would be, I would respond to my mom and I'd be like, mom, I think you're just overthinking it. Like she's my friend, like she's my best friend. Like she would never do that, whatever. But today sitting here at 29 years old, I'm like, I would be, do exactly what my mom would do. I would 100%. do exactly what my mom. If I'm telling you my child it excels in math and you want to respond with, oh, but Jessica, you're just as good. No, bitch, no. Yeah. Like, this is not your time. This is not your moment. That's not it. So it's it's just it's just like Mbali was saying, it's, it's crazy that it's like a repeated systematic, systemic thing that is just ingrained in our heads and our minds and it becomes like a self-hatred thing and an insecure thing and we have to deal with it for the rest of our lives while these white mm. girls don't they but just I also i just like also feel as though it's kind of harsh for you to put it that way in terms of like this idea of self-hatred but i'm always a person that believes in things that i can see so if i'm walking into a classroom and I'm the only female, I'm the only black female, already I'm like, why aren't more people like me in this space? And then when I start expanding out, when I go and do internships, I'm in those offices and I'm still the only black female. Like, why am I the only one that looks like me in that space? And it, it makes, it's, I feel as though I would be so confident in an environment where I saw other black females exceeding in the field that I'm trying to exceed in it kind of gives you mm. confidence like before Barack Obama became president I didn't think a black man could be president in America I don't think kids mm -hmm. grew up saying oh I want to be president but after black after Barack Obama you've already got these four-year-olds these six-year-olds now saying I want to be president you know why because they see someone that looks like them in that space so if you reverse back to like the white girls in your office all they see is white faces excelling in that mm -hmm. place so you see mm -hmm. that and you say okay if they can do it I can do it too and that's how sure. I feel. Yeah. Like I need more faces that look like me because you gain confidence. You can speak out louder because all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm entitled to be in the space and other people have paved the way for me. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. And I feel as though like it's easy to say, it downplay the importance of like seeing other people that look like you. I am so big on that. Like, I am so big on that. They, people really don't see and understand the importance of seeing yourself in the media or the medium of what you want to, like, pursue. 
Like, it is so important. Like, I was watching the Michelle Obama documentary, and I was telling people, I was like, I could honestly just watch this in silence. Just to see her is so, like, it just makes me so happy. And so, like, it just is such a feel good to, like, see her be in that position and that role and that person and being someone who looks like me. That that's all I need. That's all I want to see. Like, I, we won't go in depth about you know whatever, but like just to see her is a lot. Can yeah. I tell you? I think that it's a twofold thing because when you deal with people who are who really don't have much, um, that leap to that kind of success or that kind of level is very the gap is huge for them in their mind, because like. I do a lot of work with um, underprivileged kids. And the thing is that for them to even just step outside of their environment is, is mind boggling. For them to enter into the suburbs from having stayed in, the, um, in, 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 in like Soweto or whatever is mind boggling for them. So never mind actually having a house there. Never mind actually schooling there. Um, it's, it's, for them, it seems so unattainable. It's not, it's, their mindset is so there's a better word for it, but their mindset is so like finished from the environment and, the, and what they see on a daily, day, on a daily basis mm-hmm. that for them mm-hmm. to see like, even like a Michelle Obama or um, whoever on the TV, it's nice to see and it does help from a certain extent, but when it comes to it being um, a tangible thing, tangible, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's much harder for them to get to that level of, um, encouragement or that level of feeling like they can actually enter into those shoes so that's why like i'll call it self-hatred and it does sound very like harsh but what i'm trying to say is that you've been so indoctrinated around being black and living where you are living and going to the school that you're going to and all of these other narratives that play into your color that certain things just don't seem attainable and yeah it's true. To someone who's confident, to someone who, whatever, will call it self-hatred. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, it's, it's a very quick way of getting to the point. But um, there's just, it's deeper than that. Um, yeah. For you to have that le- a level of confidence in yourself, just as an average person, you have to love yourself into it. Do you get what I'm saying? You have to coach yourself into it. So mm-hmm. I just think that like, that's why for me i'd say it is a two-part thing but it's just that 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 thing of just seeing someone is 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 sometimes still not enough when Mm -hmm. the indoctrination that deep or that rooted yeah and i think also i just realized that we're talking about michelle obama like that is a best 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 case scenario (laughs) Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. what about the middle of the road successful? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we need representation over there because of that to the superstars and like uh, some of us will never reach that level in our lifetime. Yeah. But what about the more tempered expectations of like black faces? So it's like we need to see more of like everyday successful instead of just shooting for a reality that not everyone is afforded to. Like, she's lucky to be in that position. Yes. And she knows she is as well. She knows Mm. she is. And I also Mm. think that goes with, um, we need to, like, make those faces in the middle, not within white corporations. It needs to be Mm. our own built thing, which is why it's so great to see, like, 
all these black businesses being spotlighted right now because it's like that's Uh, how it will become a reality when we see our own people doing their own thing because I I, it used to be a thing when I worked at that office where it was like oh I have to keep this job because it's really important that I'm this only black girl here and it's very important for me to be here but now I'm like fuck that the focus was too much on them rather than me Mm. and us like it needed to, I, I don't, like, I don't need to work there. I'll make my own thing and I will make my own road and that's how it'll pay off. That's true. Mm. Well, guys, if that is all, that concludes Yay. episode three, though. Well <laughs> You've come a long way, hey? I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Still struggling. <laughs> Struggling forward, forward, nonetheless. Yeah, forward. Yeah. Yes.